about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential. Derived from our maker. That is liberty. And liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Friday here on the Steve Dace Show podcast on Westwood One. My name is Steve Dace. It is a feedback Friday. Powered by CRTV. Todd and Aaron are here as well. Gentlemen, good to see you. We just wrapped up production for today's CRTV show. It is the Dace Group Roundtable. Always a fun time had by all. Our week in review, you don't want to miss it. If you're not yet a CRTV subscriber, CRTV.com promo code Dace is how you can become one. Just use my last name as a discount code this time instead of a swear word. That would be cool. So CRTV.com promo code Dace or Dace. And I'm at that stage now where, A, I just, I don't have the energy anymore to argue about stuff and like, unless it really matters. And then I'll like, here's what's happening. I will, it used to be I would argue over everything and then like have no stamina to like argue to the death. Now that I'm older, it's inverted. Like I really don't want to argue about a lot of things. But when I think something is worthy of arguing about, I will argue it to the death. So the, the pattern has changed. So I don't even argue about people mispronouncing my name anymore, especially because I've learned I may be mispronouncing it. About half the people in this family line pronounce it Dace. So I, I don't know. I, I could be pronouncing it wrong all these years, but as far as I know, it's Dace, and I'm sticking with it. So use my name as a promo code, Dace. That'll get you a discounted subscription to CRTV, so you can watch our show today, uh, and you can also watch every show we've ever done, and every show that's ever been done at CRTV, from the great one, Mark Levin, the show that launched our network, to Michelle Malkin, Stephen Crowder, the whole team, exclusively yours for just a quarter a day. If you use my name as a promo code, promo code Dace at CRTV.com. So let's get to it. It's a Feedback Friday. This is where we try to get to as much of your feedback as we typically can, which means we usually get to anywhere from two to seven. Often it's three or four. Now, I have to apologize to our audience up front, guys. I realized this last night. I keep a running Word file of emails I plan on responding to later on in Feedback Friday. And here, So here's how the policy works if you're wondering... Uh, I try to respond to everybody I can, unless you just really annoy me. I'm not going to lie to you. Unless you just really annoy me. And not like in a good way. Like you may even disagree with me and annoy me, but I'm like, I kind of like, I kind of like that annoyance, so I'll, I'll react. But unless I just, you don't, you annoy me in a bad way, I will have always tried to respond to everything as time permits. Now, as my platform has grown, I just can't do that anymore. We get too much. Um, and a lot of times we'll touch a certain theme and we'll get pro or cons on that theme. And, you know, a lot of you will have similar, not necessarily the same, but a similar thought pro or con. And so I'll kind of pick out one or two and on each side that sort of demonstrate that. Um, maybe respond to some of you because, you know, a lot of them are dig the show. Hey, quick question for you. And I'll try to respond to those personally as best I can. And then when there are some good ones that I think are good for, you know, topic discussion here on the podcast, I've been saving them in this word file. And then if, if they go by it, three months go by and we haven't gotten to it, it just, I, I, it means that I just didn't, I couldn't prioritize that particular note 
and it kind of gets deleted and somebody else takes it. Are you right? seriously that organized? Yeah, I have to be. Oh my. That's how I get, how do you think I get all this stuff done? This is how. Oh. There you um, go. Uh, that in a photographic memory helps. Or, or my, well, a near, a, near, a near photographic memory. So I had this Word file ready to go for this Friday and last week uh, I did a laptop upgrade and transferred everything over and then I just, you know, because I don't trust the NSA any, or anybody anymore, I just singed uh, and I just saw this movie Unfriended 2 where the, where the Illuminati basically just used the internet to frame people for stuff. And so I like, I mean, I eviscerated, I singed this hard drive. Like I didn't just delete it. Like, you know, I cremated it. Bleach okay? bit? Yes. Yeah. And... Last night, as I was getting set for today's show, and went to go pull out that file, and I realized, oh, it's not on my new laptop. It was on the one that I, uh, um, I, I incinerated. So, if you're wondering, a, if I told you, hey, we're going to talk about your note on the show, and we never do, or b, if you're wondering, how come you never talked about my note on the show? Well, there's a chance it's because I found it annoying. And then there's a good chance it's because it was on that Word document that no longer... Well, I'm sure. I'm sure it exists somewhere, somewhere on the dark web. But it's nowhere any longer that it's accessible for me. So I, I just felt like I needed to apologize to some people. So, great start to the show, man. You, you're not sure what your name is, and you lose stuff. <laughs> I love you, America. And my and a producer who's responsible for producing three shows a day for me looks at me and says, "You're pretty. You're really that organized," <laughs> which doesn't engender a lot of confidence. I just want to say, all right. So I, I don't know how my name's pronounced. I lose stuff, and my producer admits I'm not very organized. <laughs> Guys, welcome to Steve Dace. This I meant is how it as a roll. I meant it as a compliment. Take it, take it, take it however you want. I'm doing just fine over here. John, how are you? I'm I I got my act together, baby. Um, let's begin. This is from Nathan. So these are just, these are relatively recent ones that are just in my inbox from like the last few days or week. Or the second best. We're not going to tell you the truth. That, that's not true. <laughs> if they're still in my inbox, it's because A, I haven't seen them yet, or B, I was saving them to take the place of the others on that scrolling sheet. Okay. All right. So this is from Nathan. Uh, listen to your Theology third, uh, Thursday podcast from a recent trip to Idaho and, uh, I wanted to ask you about something that was included in the Q&A afterwards. And uh, as I'm curious what that generation's questions were to you, or he goes, I, w I was hoping it might include the Q&A afterwards. As I'm curious what that generation's questions were to you and your answers for them. They asked some really good questions, but they weren't mic'd. <laughs> and that's why we didn't include them in the podcast yesterday. Also, what was the first question you were asked? Oh, it was about eschatology. Yeah. What are your eschatological wow, views? Perfect. That was the very first question. <laughs> yeah. It's my own fault because I kept telling him I like snotty questions, right? <laughs> was he trolling you? I, I, was he familiar I, I, with our I, show? I don't, I don't know if he's that familiar with the show. It's just, but if, if he wasn't, it's almost funnier. <laughs> yeah. Like if he was familiar with the show, <laughs> that'd be awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But the fact if he wasn't, that's even more so because it just plays to my whole annoyance with this topic. <laughs> that that right away. Right away was the first question now, I got. You didn't. I got. I got to ask. The Catholic has got to know. Mm -hmm. So did you? Did you touch on eschatology at all 
even tend to, I mean, I, I guess I it, did in my talk. If you go back and listen to the talk, which now, 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 now the truth comes out because Urgent just admitted he didn't listen to it. All right. So well, Aaron's not organized. Todd doesn't listen to our show. I don't know my name and I lose stuff. I listened to the show because I make the show. I just had no role in making. It. Oh, so oh, now. Oh, it's like that now. If I'm not on, I don't listen. That sounds a little bit like somebody I know who says, I only watch cable news shows when I'm on. Do you guys know who that is? That would be me. I say that, actually. I was going to say Michael Cohen. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, that's probably true, too. And of course, he's watching them all right about now. Yeah. Right? The question is, where is he going to be watching them from in about six months? That's yeah. the real question, if you know what I'm okay, saying. Okay, so it did come right. up. So at least did. he and gets I, points I, for yes, that. I, I brought it up in my conversation in the context of, I, all the three main views in orth, within Orthodox Christianity, I have seen act contrary to their stated eschatology in my political activism. Ah, yeah. That I've seen post-millennials who believe the church triumphs in history act as if no one is ever yeah, good enough. we've done that show. Yeah, we did that show. Yeah. So, you, so you know the shtick. I do The pre-millennials who drive with the gas and the brake on at the same time, okay. right? Yeah. So okay. it is totally legit, but... What was his question? I got it. What are my personal eschatological views? He did. Oh, yeah. So he doesn't listen to the show. Because no. <laughs> no. Uh, I I'm trying to remember what my answer was. It was you've heard me give my. It's my my answer on the show is uh, as I've said on the show before. Uh, I have, I'm skeptical of everybody's views. Um, and uh, Jesus reigns. That's my not not in the future. And not fully now, but um, Jesus reigns. That's that's my view. I'm just I'm endlessly fascinated by the Protestant obsession with this. You know, it's funny. This has become like the Catholic. Like I was saying on my Twitter account last night, Rudy Giuliani's TV appearances when the 2018 election is done. We're going to look back at all the times Rudy Giuliani fired up the Democrat base on television. And that's going to be the 2016, uh, why didn't Hillary ever go to Wisconsin? Talking point, right? That we've had for two years. Well, she never went to Wisconsin. We're going to be talking about Rudy's TV appearances after the 2018 election, I think. that's And similar to how Protestants are simultaneously curious, annoyed, and uninformed uh, and skeptical uh, of the papacy. I believe this is this as our 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 fanaticism with eschatology. I think is the version is the Catholic yeah. version of in, of Protestant inquisitiveness. Agree? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think it's like you guys are often with uh, like Mary and stuff like yeah, that. Like yeah. Like because the way we we talk to you guys, like so you know why do you pray to Mary? You yeah. guys are like so you guys think you're flying up in the sky? That's how this works. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder so, we turn the culture over. So we over. walk up to you guys, we're like, so you guys do whatever the Pope tells you? And you guys say to us, so you guys think you're fairies. That's, that's how this works? You guys just fly off into fairyland when there's a trumpet? Right? You're laughing because that's kind of what it's, what it's like, right? I know. Anyway, let's continue with the... Uh, uh, email from Nathan. From Nathan, he says, "I wanted to ask you for any good resources on each of the three dimensions you talked about. I can't give you one, except my own writings, because I I came up with this. The, the three dimensional thinking of know why you believe what you believe, which is something I just lifted right out of the words of Peter in the New Testament. But to know why other people believe." Uh, what they believe, which is the second dimension, and the third dimension, you know why other people believe what they believe about what you believe. That's my own thing. I don't have too many original thoughts. You know, I've 
pointed this out before. There was this company when we were kids that advertised in all the football games, and their tagline was, we don't make the products you buy. We make the products you buy better. Sure. That's kind of what I do for a living on and off the air, whether I'm consulting for people or I'm broadcasting um, you know, conservative ideals, is I'm taking other people's momentous work and I'm trying to frame it and message it maybe better than they're capable. I don't do, I don't have like a lot of my own original thoughts. This one is one. So there really isn't a resource other than this is something I, a hermeneutic I developed over the years, um, spending a lot of time in liberal media, working in, with and around and for people with different value systems. Um, you know, uh, one of my bosses in sports talk radio was the former head of NBC News, Michael Gartner. Uh, who, I mean, you don't get more liberal media than Michael Gartner. And, and Michael is brilliant. And so if I, if, if I wasn't able to come correct with what I believed, he was going to make me uh, yeah, choke on it. And so these are just ideas that, in a, in, a, in a theory that I just came up with over the years, because I come from a, Demo- a lot of Democrats in my family, um, I'm around people all the time in my industry that don't believe the same things or the premises I do. And that's becoming increasingly true in conservative media as well. Um, you know, uh, a lot of the Judeo-Christian or biblical premises for things that drove conservative media from really its advent in the 80s until maybe around George W. Bush's reelection in 2004 isn't around really anymore. You know, I mean, we we have National Review is writing articles about it's time to accept transgenderism, which Bill Buckley would have had you scourged if you would have ever suggested that to him. Okay, when he ran the place, Um, you know, we're debating Newsmax or not Newsmax, but LifeSite News and National Review are debating whether Fox News is too gay. You know, it's a different conservative media is different now. It's it's far more secularized now. And so even in so because some of you are like, well, Steve, you work in conservative media. How are you around people with divergent views? Oh, I'm around people with divergent worldviews all of the time. Don't just think because people may come to similar political conclusions. They don't have divergent worldviews. Right. So uh, that the three dimensional thinking is frankly just something that came, I came up with trial and error my own conscience, uh, you know, uh, God's wisdom at work in my life to help me navigate as someone that has a, who does his best to, to hold true to a biblical worldview and what I believe and communicate. But how do I do that when I'm my same, I'm, I'm commanded spiritually to walk this narrow road. And then I've got this professional mandate to broadcast. And the first word there is what? Broad. Broad. I mean, so how do I navigate these things? And the three-dimensional thinking is just sort of something I've come up with over the course of my career, Nathan, to help me navigate that. You guys want to add to that or no? No. Well, I, I think that's – I think you actually sell yourself short. Uh, on, I mean, you have quite a repertoire of uh, original thinking along those lines. Uh, this gentleman probably – would have had no occasion. Uh, no, he wouldn't have had any. He's from Idaho. But uh, when you did a version of this back in the day when you were on WHO radio and you were interviewing candidates for Congress, and it was the one, I think, where um, of the former Urbandale mayor, he's now in the Iowa legislature. Um, oh, Brad's on. It was that. I mean, there were quite a few guys mm-hmm. cycling through that. But you were asking 
worldview questions fingernails on the chalkboard uncomfortable radio in terms of listening to republicans try to pound the square peg into the round hole on some of these um so you've been doing this for a long time yeah i mean that was 2009 2010 and what todd's alluding to is one of the last the last election that I worked in uh, local media exclusively, um, our show had so much listenership that even Republican candidates who couldn't stand me had to do business with me on some level. And so um, candidates from the congressional primary to state Senate districts to the governor race, we brought them all in individually and I sent them all down for 30 minutes apiece. And I asked them all the same worldview questions as a series, and we just taped them and broke them up into a series, and then we ran each of their answers to a particular question. Questions like, what do you think the ultimate source of truth is? What do you think the law is? And what? And when there's a discrepancy in what the law is or where it comes from, who determines these things? Core worldview questions. I didn't ask anybody, are you pro-life? I didn't ask anybody, do you believe in uh, limited government and low taxes? I, I got off of the ideological questions, and I wanted to get right to the worldview core of what drove people, uh, mainly because I was curious more than anything else. Um, sorry about that. Mainly because I was curious more than anything else, but um, I had no idea what the results were going to be. And in, and in many cases, they were they were tragic. You're right. But it also encouraged me to uh, change the way I'd, I've done this for the last decade. And I've made, ever since then, Worldview has been right. the primary focus. If you're wondering where did I come up with the idea of making this show about a biblical worldview rather than... Um, Political talking political points. talking points that most other people in our industry do, and a lot of people do it really well. By the way, I'm, let me let me state that I'm not saying everybody whose show is driven primarily by political talking points is vapid or vapid. I'm not sure how we're pronouncing it today, or uh, or banal or banal. I'm not sure how we're pronouncing that either. I, I mean, um, there's a lot of really smart people, people a lot smarter than me, that do those shows really well. I just came to the conclusion. Um, Everybody else, or almost everybody else in my industry is doing that show. What our culture needs more than anything else, or at least the niche that's unfilled, is this deeper philosophical conversation. And it really came out of that election cycle. And then that those primaries are what led into the retention election when we went after the judges right. later in the fall. And a lot of those worldview questions, see, I had no idea that that retention election was, was going to happen. When we did those interviews in January, February, March, and April leading up to the primary, I had no idea that we were going to go after those judges. That wasn't even something, it wasn't a gleam in our political eye, okay? But the conversations we began that winter and spring in the primary to our statewide audience— ended up you know one plants and other waters and god gives the increase ended up sowing the seeds for us to then help to educate that statewide audience on why what our judges did on the marriage issue was both morally wrong in terms of the purpose and institution of marriage in and of itself but even if you don't accept that morality it was constitutionally wrong it goes against the way self-government is supposed to work and I wonder if I could have been as successful if I had to start from scratch in September and October 
if we had not done three months of shows earlier in the year, already having our audience listen to these deeper, probing, philosophical questions. You know, and, and let me give you an example from those conversations. Why? Now that you brought, brought, bring this up, Todd, here's here's the. What do you mean the difference between somebody's political talking points and their worldview? Let me. Let, a prime example came out of this exercise. So there's the woman that used to. She essentially was a perennial candidate. She ran every two years for Congress in the second district in Iowa. Marionette Miller Meeks was her. Sure, that's, remember her? I thought that's what you were. Yeah, she ran. basically yeah. ran every two years. And brilliant doctor, nice lady, ophthalmologist. We're not talking about somebody that lacks smarts here, all right? So she comes in to do her worldview. So here's why I didn't ask her her view, whether she was pro-life or not. Because if I asked her, are you pro-life, what do you think she would have told me? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because if she was going to say no, she was never coming on this show, right? She was going to say yes. Before we taped her interview, I'll never forget this, ever. Before we taped her interview, she comes in, she's on the phone with her sister. And, you know, this was 2010. You know, and I'd say Marionette Miller-Mukes was pushing 50 then. And this was her younger sister. Her younger sister was well over 40. And she's pregnant. And her, she's on the phone with her younger sister, and I'm doing that thing where they're talking so loud I can't help it over here, but I'm really trying not to as I prepare the studio to tape the interview. And so I'm, I'm fine just, you know, I'm picking up bits and pieces even though I'm trying not to, and I'm fine never having this conversation about small talk and going right to, the, right to business because you guys know how much do I love small talk? Uh, negative zero. Integers? Yeah, negative integers. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a small talk guy. And I get ready to start the interview. She hangs up the phone. She goes, sorry about that. That was my sister. Um, she's pregnant and she's 41 years old. And they're asking her about whether she wants to have an amniocentesis done. I think that's how it's pronounced, right? Yeah. And because of the risk factors with her age in, a, in, a, in an older pregnancy. But, you know, she was concerned because sometimes that test can be a danger to the child, things of that nature. And she wanted to get my questions uh, or my answers as a doctor of whether I thought she needed it or not. And I told her, do you plan on keeping the baby? And she said, yes. Then I said, I told her, you don't probably need to have it done then. I wouldn't, I wouldn't risk it then. Did you pick up what was said there? Do you guys notice what was said? plan on keeping Disappointingly the Disappointingly so. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I just froze right there and looked at her. She kind of looked at me. Uh, she clearly did not understand what she said. And I just said, let's just do the interview. Okay. But that moment crystallized for me. You know, one of the things I talk about in Rules for Patriots is the difference between the moral view and the worldview. That someone can have the right moral view when they get in a campaign or even in the heat of a moment and their conscience um, on, on a basic level. That's why Paul says, you know, when we do what is right or acknowledge what is wrong on our own, in our own, in our sinful state, we are a law unto ourselves. Because we know, we know what is right and wrong. We know what it is. And so at that moment, the, con- the, the human conscience still, though fallen, is still carries the imago day and can articulate what is right and wrong. But then when the external, see, that's the difference. That's a moral view. But then when the worldview kicks in is when the pressure mounts, when they're in office. 
or as I used to explain it to my worldview students, uh, 10 years from now, you're working at a job, you're the, you're the manager, boss comes to you uh, and says, hey, I need you to go fire that single mom over there because uh, I've asked her out and um, she keeps rebuffing me and I don't want to work her here anymore. And you're like, hey, man, I don't think that's right. And he says, well, if you don't fire her, I'll just fire you too. And, you know, now you've got uh, a wife at home, a special needs kid, another kid who's got some serious, who's got medical bills from a surgery last year that you couldn't afford and your deductible didn't cover, right? You've got student loan debt from when you were in college. And romance without finance is a damn nuisance. You know, you're going to go home and tell the wife, hey, we, we're, we're out. Because I wouldn't fire this person over here. And she'll be like, well, why didn't you choose your, her, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not married to her. I'm married to you. We can't pay our bills now. So congratulations on your morality. Now we're unemployed. Right? That's when the worldview kicks in. Because this fallen world will look to put you in corners and give you bad choices. It's false choice daily on planet Earth. That's what it is. And social media just amplifies it. False choices across the board. First comment last night when I pointed out how asinine Giuliani's defense of Trump was on the on the grounds that Cohen is a, has been a liar his whole life, and I'm like, uh, the he was the president's lawyer for like 20 years. I'm not sure this is the best the best line of argument. The president hired an own liar to be his lawyer for 20 years. First comment, first comment is a guy. Well, that's what you get, Trump tarred. We tried to warn you. I didn't even vote for Donald Trump, but that's what we do all day. That's a, that is that's planet Earth all day, every day, especially on social media. False choice daily. That's what it is. Just line up false choice after false choice after false choice. That's the devil's game. And that's when you got, that's when you'll see the difference between the moral view and the worldview. Because the moral view, when it's easy, will articulate what is right and wrong. May even recognize where right and wrong comes from. But when it gets hard, the moral view will collapse because your worldview still says. I serve this world, not the one to come. I, I serve this kingdom, not a, not not the kingdom, not of this world. And I've I've got to do what it wants me to do and make the best I can do. I got to choose the lesser of two evils. You know, I'm gonna have to. I think it sucks. This single mom will be out of a job for not you know putting out with her boss. But you know, it's like Reagan used to say: recessions when your neighbor doesn't have a job, and depressions when you don't have one. Right. So as bad as it sucks that she won't have a job, it'll suck even more when me and my kids don't have a job. So, sorry, honey, you're fired. That's the difference right there. And you saw that articulated with, from Marionette Miller-Meeks. She just volunteered that information. I asked her if she planned on keeping the baby. Yes, okay, well then I wouldn't risk anything that would damage the child. Then you're in good health. So if you asked her if she planned on keeping the baby, that implies there was an option to not, not keep the baby. to kill the baby. Yeah. Jacob writes, Steve, seems like lines, sides, tribes, or whatever are pretty well set in stone these days, and no one is changing their minds. If that's true, what's the point of even having discussions on all the current topics other than just to hear us talk to ourselves, which I'm fine with, though, because I love other programming. <laughs> Um, That's a great question. That is fold up shop now and just go home, (laughs) take an early weekend. Well, Jacob, first of all, you understand you asked another guy, um, why do you keep talking? Okay, well, any woman will tell you on that first date, if if it's awkward silence, what's the way to get this thing going? Ask a guy about himself. Loves talking about himself. 
right? So, I mean, if someone just paid us just to hear ourselves talk, we would do that. We're guys. We like to hear ourselves talk. We like to, we like to, we like to, um, we like, we like to, we enjoy our own pontifications. We like that. That's why you hate small talk. Enough about you. Let's talk about me. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. But there's something else happening here. And I think it goes back to the conversation we just had about political talking points, the news of the day, the hot takes on the news of the day compared to the deeper worldview issue. If, if as much as I just said, there are plenty of great people that are doing the political hot talk, you know, talking points of the day and they're really smart and they're great people and they're doing it well. I also believe though, that if you make that the primary focus of how you work in our industry, I think it's unavoidable. The tribalism's unavoidable. It's absolutely unavoidable. And some may argue that's okay. I'm not here to say, by the way, that is always bad. You know, there was a lot of tribalism between the Redcoats and the Colonials. <laughs> there was a lot of tribalism between the Confeder- between the blue and the gray. There was a lot of tri- tribalism between the Allies and the Axis. Okay, so I, I, I should probably have said this a long time ago. Tribalism in and of itself is not always bad as an absolute when the lines of what's good and evil are clearly drawn. I just don't believe they're clearly drawn in this day and age. I mean, three months ago, Sean Hannity was on television saying Michael Cohen's a great guy and I enjoyed his real estate advice when he was implicated in having retained his legal services, right? Right. Now he's a traitor to America. That's what he is now. And the same people that thought he was a slime, uh, the same people on the other side who thought he was a sleaze bag and couldn't wait to link him to Sean Hannity and hang Sean Hannity's noose in the public square for having, have, you know, having, having taken some legal advice from him once. Now, all of a sudden, Michael Cohen, man, I mean, he's America's deliverer. He's going he's gonna to deliver us from evil, from Trump. He's a hero for singing like a canary. What has changed? Has Michael Cohen's, has, has the fabric and essence of Michael Cohen's character changed at all? Almost certainly not. Of course not. Our view of it has changed based on whether his brokenness can be applied in the way that, in the outcome we favor. Which means who's also broken in that equation? Us. Us. Michael Cohen is the same fool that he was two years ago on CNN when he got depanced by some CNN reporterette on polling numbers. And he was he was a laughing stock then. And we all knew he was a posing liar then. And he's probably one now. Nothing's changed. You know? Says who? <laughs> yes. It's too perfect. I had to. Yeah. We're the ones that changed. Yep. We changed because depending on whether he's now... Whether he's now using his brokenness to our advantage or not. That's what we care about. So, most of the time, tribalism is bad because it, it be, it's another word for idolatry. And we are all, in our sinful states, idolaters at heart. But, when existentially, 
right and wrong and good and evil are clear, clearly clarified and who's on the right and wrong side of those things is clearly clarified. You know, there's nothing wrong with a little tribalism in 1942, 1944, 1863. Know what I'm saying? Yeah. Nothing wrong with some tribalism then. Needed a little tribalism then to because the other side was tribalistically organized and ready to go and impose their evil on you. But those are rare occasions. Most of the time when we revert to tribalism, it's a result of our sinful state. And even when we do tribalism the right way, it is in response to our sinful state. Meaning, what came first, the Axis or the Allies? The Axis. The Axis. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, because they formed their own tribalistic alliance to impose evil upon us, we were therefore compelled to counter with a tribe of our own. So even when it's done rightly, tribalism is in and of itself a byproduct of our sinful state. And this goes back to the New Testament. There's neither slave nor Greek, male nor female, or no, neither, neither Jew nor Greek, male or female, or slave or free. Meaning identity politics, tribalism doesn't exist in a New Testament worldview. It's not, it's not permitted. You have one identity, ultimately. And that's in Christ, period. That transcends your customs, your language, your dress, your traditions, transcends all of that. But if you're having a broader worldview conversation, I have to tell you that the best career decision I ever made was this past year. We already made worldview our primary focus anyway. But when we made the decision, when we, when we set the tone back in January with those seven deadly worldviews, and we made that, we sat around here right after, right before Christmas, our Christmas vacation, and we had a massive staff brainstorming meeting with a whiteboard up there in the corner of the office and sat here for two hours and pontificated what we wanted 2018 to look like. And we, number one agreement was we are going to de emphasize the daily political grind, except where it will help us make the worldview points we want to make even more. Best decision we ever made. I'm regularly getting emails now from different religious sects, and that's what I talked about yesterday. You heard me talk about to the group in, in Idaho yesterday. I get, you know, emails um, from secularist, atheist, people that have fallen away from the faith, people are raised in the church when they were younger, left it because they thought, um, uh, because they were, they were shown something else that's an aberrant variation of Christianity or a fake religion in and of itself. And they are attracted to the way we are working out our salvation in fear and trembling imperfectly, but transparently on this podcast. Um, it's been incredibly rewarding to me to have those conversations. And so now, even when we do the daily political um, grist for the mill, you know, we do, we're doing a lot less polling breakdown and things like we did in 2016, for example. So even when like I'm looking for stories like don't reuse your condoms, not just because it's funny. That's 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 true. This is an entertaining, you know, medium. But this gives us a chance to have a broader worldview conversation than just sitting here every day um, with whatever today's political hot takes are. 
And then half the time, today's political hot takes are fake. I don't know what, I still don't know what the truth is of the Caitlin Collins CNN thing. Do you know? Because at first it looked like they totally did her wrong and even Fox was siding with CNN. Now there's another side of the story. Doesn't this happen every day? It looks like they got Trump nailed and then they don't. Then it looks like Trump's totally innocent. Then he's not. You know what I'm saying? We do this. We could, how, I don't know how people who do daily talking point media, I don't know how they function in that environment. You know, I, I, don't, I, I don't know how you do it. I have just this automatic, and I know you do too, default settings as I go through the daily news. And I just see a story like that, and it, it automatically goes into the the over there file Agreed. until something breaks that I need to care right now. I mean, yep. that, that was a perfect example of a story. Like, I, I don't need to know any more about that other than the, the brief crawl I get. Talk to me when this actually yeah, I, matters. I don't, I don't care about Michael Cohen at all. I don't. I, I care as I, when I care, I, the only, I only care when it crosses over into what we do. When people are asserting things that cannot be mutually true at the same time, and now we're into tribalistic moral subjectivism, and I will go after that every time. Like you know, it's like we've got this beautiful little, cute little Bichon we bought Zoe for her birthday five years ago, and you know, Bichons are homeopathic; they don't shed. He is our little cuddle puppy. You know, couldn't be any more low maintenance. And we always have a ton of rabbits in our yard, particularly this time of year through the fall. And it was just me and, and Cap. Short, the kids named him short. His name's Captain America. We call him Cap for short. And it was just him and I. He needed to go out. He rang the bell at the door. I let him out. 10, 15 minutes go by. I'm like, I know it's taking that long to go to the bathroom. Something's going on. I go outside. Cap turns around. And there is the writhing, dying carcass of a little bunny rabbit in his mouth. That's outstanding. Okay. And he turns around, he sees me, and it's like I just caught him crapping in the house. And he tucks his tail between his legs and he kind of squats down. He gets his ears go back, and and it's it's like I could it's like he could we were telepathically connected because I could hear like in his dog voice. I'm sorry, man. I'm still a dog. What'd you expect? There's nothing I get. They were there. I mean, I know I love getting petted. You guys groom me every month. I get babied. You guys even shave off my, my, the nails on my paws, my claws, and that feels really good, and I really appreciate that. But you got to remember, man, I'm, I got a good deal going here, so please don't punish me, but I'm still a dog. I, I couldn't help myself. You've got the dude code. He's got the yeah, dog and code. And I totally got it. You know, So I cleaned him up and cleaned up the bunny before, because if Zoe got home and saw it, it would yeah. traumatize her to see her little puppy as a predator. <laughs> <laughs> right? And so ever since then, I know this time of year, the dog's out there more than 10 or 15 minutes. He's hunting rabbits in here. And I jump out there to, to stop my girls from the tragic visual. Noah five years ago would have been freaked out. Now you've been like, dude, where's my camera phone? All right. But the girls will be in counseling if they see this. So like I'm always on guard about when he's out there too long. I bring that up in the context to say this. If you send me nonsensical circular reasoning logic or self-refuting simultaneous statements that you can't help but hang yourself from i'm i am i'm capping the in this in this visual i can't i can't i was made this way yeah 
Lady Gaga was singing about me when she said, born this way. I am literally, I am constructed by my creator to seek out such horse poop and annihilate it. Red rum, red rum, red rum. I can't, I've tried to stop, man. I can't. I was that guy last night on Twitter with, with anonymous abortion woke guy. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. I, I just saw had, that. I had to. And that's sort of, that's the only thing about the Michael Cohen story I care about. Other than that, I, I don't really care what's on the tapes or what's not. I don't care if he never goes to jail. I don't care if he's there for 50 years. I just, I don't, and you know why I don't care? Because once I become convinced the truth is unattainable in a story, I stop caring. I'm a guy. I'm, 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 I'm fight or flight. All guys are, ladies. That's why hard to get works to a point. If you make it so that we like a challenge, but if we think we can't win, what will we do, Todd? Move on. You move on. Shake the yep. dust from our feet. Yep. Because every guy in every situation, what's the game? What are the rules? Who's keeping score? How do I win? If I get to number four and I think winning's not attainable, what will I do? Eject. You're out. Find a game I can win. That's what I'll do. And so when I get to so many of these Trump stories are so tribalistic, truth is unattainable. And so I find myself, I just, unless you infest my conscience with your circular reasoning horse poop, I, I'm Phil Collins, man. I don't. I don't care anymore. I just don't care. I don't. I don't care what Julian Assange's jail cell looks like. I don't. I don't care if Paul Manafort's in solitary confinement. I don't freaking care. I just don't. Do you care? Nope. I don't. Uh, Fred Marshall says, "You know what? I want to thank you guys for discussing things that really should matter to us. Keep up the great work." That is very yeah, kind, well that, Fred. That ties right into the question before. Why do you keep talking about these things? You know, we don't have a don't have a choice, really. I mean, go to Nineveh, you know, and and, yes. if, and you have to believe now more than ever in the power of the mustard seed. You don't you don't know when that seed is going to find purchase, but you got to keep sowing. You absolutely have to. The Nineveh example is a good one because we go to Nineveh for the existential stuff that matters. We don't go to Nineveh to get in the middle of their interior uh, z- zoning controversy or what the military uniform should look like. Or, um, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We, we, we don't care about their particular customs or what it is that they, are, that, that they argue about on a daily basis that is of no consequence to our worldview. We go to Nineveh to engage them on the things that are of consequence to our worldview. It just so happens, unfortunately, that a lot of what drives traffic in our industry nowadays on both sides. I mean, there's listen, there's a whole bunch of people that have seen Sean Hannity go from the guy that got banished to 11 o'clock Eastern on Fox for dwindling ratings once they got rid of Hannity and Combs. That was just a few years ago. Remember that? Yeah. All right. Good rule of thumb. When you're on after Greta Van Susteren, you're in decline. So he's on at 11 o'clock Eastern a few years ago, and now he's got the highest ratings he's ever had. And that, and, and so there's a lot of people on our on our on, on our side of the industry looking at that, saying, "Dude, I gotta feed the family. I want to get on some of that." Similarly, did you know what the hell Anna Navarro was a year and a half ago? Did you know? No. And you were probably a better human being for it. Yeah. Now she's like omnipresent. You can't get away from her. She's like a fungus. Why? Because she's turned blaming everything on planet Earth on Donald Trump into a cottage industry. 
And so likewise, a bunch of people on the left and the fake right who hate us more than they even hate liberals saw what Anna, Anna Navarro's on The View. She's on CNN, every panel. She's everywhere. And like, dude, I got to get me a piece of that action. That's where the action is at. The gold in them hills. As the great prophet Sam Kinison once said, move where the food is. Well, we're moving where the food is too. We're just seeking after different food, if you know what I'm saying. Final thoughts, Todd and Aaron. Well, um, I, I just want to echo what I said. The last two questions were, were so related about thank you for doing what you do or sometimes I uh, wonder why we keep doing it. Hey, I, I'm thankful for this job to get to do uh, what I do, but I, I'm like Aaron, uh, and I, Steve and I talk about this, you know, whether it's what I write, the conversations I engage in, I'm, I'm always thinking on a daily basis, what's the point? Not in a give up question, but like, how can I, how can I do this to make sure I'm not just checking the box going through the motions you know it's it's if 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 this if this just turns into a job to that extent yeah that that concerns me i don't want to be a part of the echo chamber so asking the question uh isn't wrong but always go back uh to your first things um go go back to uh the founding both of your faith and of your country and be certain that that is good enough Aaron? Yeah, I, I keep thinking, because it's really difficult just to be um, brutally honest. It's really difficult to see how anything that we do um, impacts anything at all, other than on a case-by-case kind of anecdotal um, level, which is really still really encouraging when we do hear from people who... Um, um, who have have told us about how you know God is using us, um, despite the fact that we're flawed creatures to to do something. I keep thinking though, one of the things that keeps me going um, when I have the, the the questions like you know what's the point is it could come a day that maybe maybe we won't see the result of it someday. Maybe it's going to be a long ways down the road, but maybe the things that we're doing, and for, for my part, it's a very small part, uh, but maybe the way, maybe we will not see the fruits of what we're trying to do. And maybe some of you listening, if you are also um, uh, trying to stand for truth in the public square or in your family, um, Maybe you you won't see the fruit of of what you're trying to do in this life. Are you okay with that? That's something that I struggle with every day. I think that's something that we all struggle with every day. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just human nature. But I think part of it is also we're we want an instant gratification. Uh, we we live in that culture. Um, so I I try to ask myself, Am I okay with not seeing the fruit of of my work? Uh, every day or even in years or even in this life the answer is not always affirmative but i think more often than not it is and that's the way i think it it should be not because i'm so great or i'm so special but again in all of all three of us flaws and those of you listening and all of your flaws god is using us in some small way and i think we should take solace in that that's right on the money man that's so on the money aaron i mean Folks may know, may have noticed, the last three months or so, my overall disposition has been sun, sunnier 
than it was four, five, six months ago when I was coming out of my, uh, what am I doing this, doing this for, midlife crisis funk. And there's two reasons why that is. One is, we began to see on a regular basis you, so many of you in the audience engaging us on the deeper spiritual worldview level, we were trying to engage you and returning that engagement. And so we could see this is bearing fruit. And then the other one, frankly, is CRTV offered me a three-year contract extension. Why would they do that? Because they can see that it's bearing fruit. You know, I mean, you, you, it's not a lack of faith to desire to see the fruit of your labors. Jesus said, by their fruit, you will know them. Right? It's not a lack of faith. Now, you can have a lack of patience in that desire that can manifest itself as a lack of faith, meaning you want things done on your timetable and not God's. But there's nothing wrong with wanting to see fruit of your labors. Nothing wrong with that. And over the last few months, we have received, you know, uh, God has been good. You and the audience and our overlords at CRTV have been gracious in providing us that fruit, that feedback. We can see we're making an impact. And just like I told you a little while ago, hey, when men think we can't win, we shut down. But Todd, when we think we can win, what will we do? Well, march on. We'll march on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you for listening today here on the Steve Day Show podcast, powered by CRTV on Westwood One. Let us know what you think about what we think. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show. Last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. Please, if you have a moment this weekend, click like on uh, you know iTunes, Stitcher. Leave us a positive review. Those things help us to get the word out. When more people see that, they want to check us out as well. So many of you have done that already. Thank you. Have a great weekend. John. 317. This is Steve Dace. I like you.